Thanks, Chu. Good morning, everyone. How are you all doing? So, you know, Chu touched on something about, uh, well, you just mentioned, or you all saw and, mentioned, or, and heard and saw it happen. The sound gave us a bit of trouble this morning. But I was just standing here this morning and I thought to myself, you know, the, the, the key to our success isn't good sound, isn't church pro programs, isn't how slick we could be. The key to our success isn't how good our coffee is. The key to our success isn't all the bells and all the whistles and all the I's dotted and all the T's crossed. The key to our success as a community of believers is that we want to keep Jesus at the center of everything that we do. The key to our success is that the message that we have, the message that we preach, the message that we've embraced, and the message that has captivated our hearts is a message that doesn't just belong to us. It's a message that originates, that was God proclaimed and God announced. It's the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not a man-made message. It's not a man-thought-out message. It is God-authored. It is God-owned. Um, it is God-empowered. It is God-inspired. It, it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is, it is the message or a good message. And, and Luke preached such a, such, a, such a beautiful message last weekend. He talked about the goodness of God. And I want to encourage you to go and listen to it online. But just all of, all of the two services that I sat in as Luke was preaching, I kept on thinking to myself, it would be foolish, and Luke did such a good job, but it would be foolish for anyone to preach about the good news, or sorry, to preach about the goodness of God and not mention the gospel. And that's exactly what, what Luke did. But it's equally foolish to talk about the gospel and not talk about the goodness of God. Why? Because the gospel and the goodness of God walk hand in hand. You can't preach the gospel without preaching about the goodness of God. And you can't preach about the goodness of God if you're not preaching the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? The gospel of God. You can't because they walk hand in hand. They cannot be separated. Amen? The gospel, the gospel, eongelion is the word. And it's made up of two words, eu, which refers to something that is good, and gelion, which is message. So the word gospel is, is the word simply translated good message. Yes. And that is the message that we have as a people, the people of God. That is the message that we've been given. That's the message that we live. It's the message that we've embraced. And this morning, I want to talk a little bit around this word, good news or good message, the gospel. And I want to encourage you to take notes. If you do, take out your phone just take a couple of notes because I feel, like, I feel like the Lord Jesus is calling this community not to preach good ideas, not to preach our ideas and our, our version of the gospel, but actually to be quite clear around the gospel, the good message of Jesus. And there's a, there's a few reasons as to why I've prepared this message. Um, there's a few reasons as to why I feel it's necessary to preach this message. Number one, the gospel, 
Number one, the reason is the gospel is easy enough for a child to understand, but the gospel is also deep enough to spend your life in awe of. I don't know about you, but the longer I've walked with Jesus, the longer I've walked in relationship with Jesus, the more I've realized how little I know. It's because the gospel is so vast. The gospel is so big. The gospel is so deep. The gospel is far more than what we can understand with our minds. It is, we can talk about the essence of the gospel, which I'm going to unpack a little bit, but there's also the gospel in its fullness where theologians have literally devoted their lives to writing books on and preaching on people like R.C. Sproul, uh, 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 John MacArthur, uh, you can name them, you know, Martin Lloyd-Jones, spending their lives teaching the body of Christ about what the gospel is. And so I, I feel there's a need because often people say they preach the gospel, but they're actually not preaching the gospel. It's just a version of the gospel. It's an aspect of the gospel. But we've got to be specific. Why? Because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that is lost. We live in a world that is in darkness. And Jesus has given us his good message to proclaim into the darkness of this world. And so this morning, I wanna, I'm not going to preach the gospel, but I want to preach a little bit to bring clarity around our view of what the gospel is. And that brings me to you this morning. That brings me to you this morning. I want to put you on the spot. Take a deep breath. I want to put you on the spot. I'm not going to give you the mic this morning, but... I do want you to imagine that you've been given a mic and you've been given the opportunity to, to as clearly as, as you can define this question or to answer this question. What is the gospel? What is the gospel? What is the gospel? If you've been given this mic right now and someone said to you, answer this question, what is the gospel? How would you answer? How would you answer? How would you define the gospel? How would you explain the gospel to someone that do not know Jesus? To someone do, that, that haven't come into an understanding around what Jesus has done? How would you explain it? And so I've said to you that the gospel is wide. The gospel is deep. The gospel has an essence, but we need to understand it in its essence, but also in its fullness. That's why I'm preaching this message. Second reason I'm preaching this message is because a couple of weeks ago I went for a run and on my run the Lord spoke so clearly to me and he said to me, I am a God of priorities. And that when we make his priority our priority, we'll see greater fruitfulness. One of the priorities of God is the lost. The lost need to hear the gospel. We need to be clear around the gospel. Anton, why are you doing this? We need to be clear around the gospel. A diluted gospel is no gospel. A diluted gospel is not what Jesus paid and the most extravagant price for. Jesus didn't pay the most extravagant price by laying down his life for all of mankind for us to preach a message that is diluted. He paid the ultimate price to give us a good message to set people free to bring light to darkness, to see people restored, to see people healed, to see people set free and brought into his kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom. Amen? Yes. I'm on a roll here. 
Let me be more specific. Church programs isn't the gospel. Did I shock you? Church programs isn't the gospel. Charity initiatives is not the gospel. It's not the gospel. Can I be a little bit, can I step on some toes here this morning? Your testimony is not the gospel. Your very testimony is not the gospel. When Jesus meets with the lady at the well in Samaria, this lady has this incredible encounter where she meets with Jesus face to face and she interacts with Jesus. Jesus uses words of knowledge to talk about her relationship status, i.e. the five men in her life or that she's had in her life. And then what happens? This lady goes back to the village, goes back to town, tells people about what she's encountered. Come, meet this man that told me everything that I've ever done. What happens? People go running to Jesus and what happens? People get saved. People get, people get restored. People get set free. Listen to these words. I want to read it to you. John chapter 4. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. Your testimony is not the gospel. God can use your testimony to bring them into a place of hearing the gospel. And when they hear the gospel, there's a change of heart. Listen, let me prove it to you. They said to the woman... It is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves and we know that this indeed is the savior of the world. Anton, why is this important? Through years and years of experience, being, I'm young, but being part of churches, being on leadership teams in a few churches now, I've seen something, just an observation how believers can base their Christian lives upon someone else's testimony, someone else's revelation. And when the storms come, when the wind come, when the rains come, they fall apart and they begin to waver in the faith. Why? Because they're not basing their lives upon the gospel of Jesus Christ. No longer am I believing this because of your testimony, Anton. I'm believing this because of the testimony, the word, the message of God. The message, the good news of God, of Jesus Christ, of the kingdom of God. Jesus is calling us to be a people that base our lives upon the gospel. The good message of what he's done and why he did it. And do you get what I'm saying? I'm not angry. I'm just passionate. I'm so excited to share this with you because the gospel needs to be preached. The gospel needs to be preached with great clarity. I'm sad to say this, but a, a lot of, over a lot of pulpits today, people declare and they make statements that they're preaching the gospel and it's not gospel. It's a diluted version of the gospel. It's not gospel-centered. We need to be a gospel-centered people where Jesus is at the center of everything that we do and preach. So let's turn to Scripture. I'm going to unpack a few things here this morning. I've got four main passages of Scripture. No, it's four. <laughs> let's go to Romans. Book of Romans. Stu's already mentioned it. Romans chapter 1, it says this. Paul is servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for 
the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was, who was a descendant of David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of the, for, of the faith for the sake of his name among the nations, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go down to verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it for it is the power of God for salvation. Please say amen. Yes. To everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also the Greek, verse 17. For in it, in what? In the gospel. Here we go. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. Let's go to Galatians chapter 1. I'm, I'm astonished. This is Paul writing. He says, I'm astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you into the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there's another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. Let him be condemned. Verse 9, as we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. So I think Paul is really trying to make a statement here. Don't preach a watered-down gospel. Don't preach a diluted gospel. If you do, accursed. And he said this twice. For, I am now, for am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Let me make a couple of a couple more observations this morning regarding the gospel of God. Number one, Paul introduces himself in a very specific way. And he starts by introducing himself by name. He says, I am Paul. Very, very straightforward. It's like me standing up, you don't know me, and I, I introduce myself and I say, Guys, my name is Anton. It's very straightforward. I've introduced myself. Paul does exactly that here in, in Romans chapter 1. He introduces himself by name. Secondly, he introduces himself by function. I am a servant of Christ. But he introduces himself in another way. He introduces himself as apostle. He introduces himself as an apostle, not as a title, but as a function. I am not a pastor because I've got a pastoral title. I'm a pastor because I pastor. I am a prophet not because I've got the title of prophet. I'm a, not, not me, someone. I'm a prophet because I prophesy and I carry the, the, the mantle or the anointing of a prophetic voice into this world. 
Thirdly, he introduces himself by commission. I am set apart. I'm set apart. The church has been called to be set apart. A people that have been set apart for what? For the gospel of God. For the gospel of God. I want to ask this question this morning. Whose gospel is it? Whose gospel is it? Elsewhere, Paul uses the language and he, he talks about the gospel as my gospel. But the reason Paul could make that statement was because God's priority became Paul's priority and there was great fruitfulness. He was able to say my gospel because he based his life, he built his life around the gospel of God, belonging to God. The gospel does not belong to any man. It is God-authored, God-inspired, God-owned, and God-empowered by the Holy Spirit. Anton, why are you saying that this morning? Because the moment we begin to tamper, tinker, change, or alter the gospel to suit us, we need to come to the understanding that we are not tampering with something that is man-made. We are altering something that originates and belongs to God himself. And that's why Paul could say, if you try, if you try to alter or dilute this gospel, a curse to you. There's a seriousness around the commission that God the Father has given the church. It's the seriousness to represent the gospel, the true gospel of freedom to those in darkness and not a diluted version. Not to make disciples of us, but to make disciples of him. Becoming disciples of Jesus. Much of the New Testament talks about the gospel of God concerning his son. The gospel is the message of God. The gospel is the message about Jesus, God's son. The gospel is who Jesus is. What Jesus has done, his work, as well as why he did what he did. The gospel. If we want to be a people that preach the gospel, if we want to be a people that live a gospel-centered message, we need to make sure that we are telling people about who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and why Jesus did what he did. Let's go to the next scripture. I want us to have a scriptural basis for what the gospel is. I'm, I'm not interested in your opinion. I'm not interested around your idea of what the gospel is. I want to have a scriptural basis for what the gospel is. Because when that becomes my priority, when that becomes our priority as a community, there will be greater fruitfulness. Amen? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that, so this, that word that there indicates the gospel that Paul preached, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. I mean, yeah, 500 at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. 
Then he appeared to James, and then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to the one untimely born, he appeared also to me. Let's go to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that Jesus, sorry, that Christ should suffer and on the third day raise, rise from the dead, and that, that repentance for the forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things, and behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. When we look closely at these two scriptures, we see the essence of what the gospel is. And I've, I'm not going to preach a lot around this, but I want to just give you the five key things around what the gospel is. Number one, the gospel is who Jesus is. The gospel is who Jesus is. Who is Jesus? Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus is the Christ. He's the Christ. Christ is not Jesus' surname, just in case you ever thought that. It's not Jesus Christ, like Anton Cater. No, Jesus Christ, Christ is a title that's been given to Jesus. What does Christ mean? The word Christ. The word Christ means Messiah, the anointed one, the deliverer, the one that will bring salvation unto man. Jesus is the, I better find my notes. Jesus is the Christ. He is the anointed one. Back in, 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 in Old Testament times, it was the kings, the priests, and the prophets that were anointed for a task. Friends, Jesus has been anointed, was anointed for the task of being the Messiah, the Christ, to bring salvation. Jesus publicly himself declared this about himself. By what? By quoting the, 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 the law of Moses by quoting from the Psalms and quoting from the prophets. And then he goes on and he performed over 37 incredible miracles to confirm that he is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. So to preach the gospel, we have to tell people who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. He is the Christ. He is the Messiah. He is the one that saves. Secondly, to preach the gospel... Or what is the gospel? We need to understand that it is to tell people what Jesus has done. To tell people what Jesus has done. What did Jesus do? He died on the cross. He rose from the dead. This is the work of salvation, what Jesus did to save us. Friends, our testimonies are powerful. Our experiences are powerful. But friends, we've got to come to a place where we actually step out of just our testimonies when we begin to tell people who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. Then we're preaching the gospel. Not a watered down version. Thirdly, what is the gospel? Well, we need to be clear around why Jesus did what he did. Why did Jesus do what he did? He, di he has done this to forgive us our sin, to bestow upon us the benefits of salvations, salvation, which is what? We have been made right with God. We've been made right with him. And so when God the Father looks at me, he sees me as righteousness, as his righteousness in Christ Jesus. Fourthly, 
What is the gospel? We need, to be tr- we need to communicate why this message is true. Why is this message true? Because it, is, it, it fulfills the Old Testament prophecies and scriptures and many, many eyewitnesses saw and testified to Jesus' resurrection. Amen? And then lastly, how should we respond with repentance? That is by turning to God by faith. Not our works. Not not our dead-end efforts, but because of what Jesus has done, placing our faith in Him, believing Him, we are saved. R.C. Sproul puts it like this. He says, The good news is that I receive the benefits of Jesus Christ. I receive the full measure of His perfect merit, not by any work that I can ever do or perform, because by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I love that. It's because of my faith in Him, because of the finished work of the cross. It's the gospel. John Piper puts it like this. He says, the the greatest good of the gospel, the greatest good of the gospel is not forgiveness, is not justification, or eternal life. As good as these are, the highest, fullest Himself, enjoyed by His redeemed people, The gospel is the good news that God brought us to the ever-enjoyment, everlasting enjoyment of God. I love that. That we can carry a message of reconciliation because of what Jesus has done. That's the gospel, guys. It's not because of what I can do jumping through this pink religious hoop and now the orange religious loop and I've got to preach the orange to have people receive this one. No, no, no. It's because of Jesus. It's because of what He's done. I think sometimes the church has fallen in the, in, into this, horror, horror, this horrible, horrible pit of packaging the gospel message as an event. This gospel message as a message, a good message that is only preached on a Sunday or is only preached at a crusade. And perhaps that has been your experience or perhaps you have seen this. And I myself have seen this where I've been part of open air crusades where there's thousands of people and the gospel is preached. Who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, why Jesus did it, how do you know it's true and how do you respond? I've been there and people getting saved. But friends, I want to tell you the gospel isn't isn't just for once every now and again. The gospel is for every day. Why? Because the gospel of Jesus Christ has the power to impact and change and bring conviction and, and, and just incredible change in our life. And it's for every single day. It's not for every now and again. No, I've embraced the gospel. That's why Paul could write and he say, my gospel. It's inside of me. It's, who, it, it, it's Jesus. He's living inside of me. Amen? This, this version of seeing the gospel as every now and again or a specific message is a diluted gospel. Well, we only preach the gospel every now and again. We've only experienced the gospel every now and again. No, it's every single day. The gospel of Jesus has the power to transform every area of our existence. We've got to understand something, that in the kingdom of God, we're not just saved or or we're not just set free out of something. We are set free onto something or into something, onto something. Did you get what I'm saying? It's not Jesus setting me free um, just from something. He set me free to walk into something. 
It's like, a, it's like seeing a prisoner being set free from prison. And he comes out of prison and he walks onto the street and now he's homeless. Now he's a beggar or she's a beggar. Is the person free? Yeah, to a degree. In the kingdom of God, it's different. Jesus set me free of my sin. He set me free from my sin, from living for self, from, you know, obeying the devil and, and me and, and, you know, all of that. But he set me free so that there's life and life more abundantly. So that I can be a, a, a carrier of, of, of his presence. So that I can be a representative of the gospel wherever I go. As great as the reality is that Jesus will return, if I, put my, if I put more confidence in his return as to the power of the gospel, I actually disqualify myself from being a transformer on the face of this earth. And so a lot of the church today, they're living in fear. They don't ever want to preach the gospel. They don't ever want to be challenged, walk into a place of perhaps feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Why? Because they've placed all their confidence in Jesus' return and not the power of the gospel to transform society. God wants to kick the church out of church. That's what I'm trying to say. Hiding behind the four walls of church and not embracing the power of the gospel, the gospel that saves, the gospel that transforms. That's, that's the commission that God has given us. I always love, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to land with this, but I always love, look, well, I've loved looking at the account in, in the book of Acts where Jesus ascends. And he's, he's, he, the, the people there present watch Jesus lift up and be taken into the clouds. And it says there that they were watching Jesus go up into the heavens and all of a sudden two men, angels, appeared and looked at them standing, looking at, at Jesus going up into the sky. And they, these angels asked these people, why are you staring up in the clouds? In the same way that Jesus has gone, he will return. And then it says that they went from there to Jerusalem. Why? Because in Jerusalem, they were obeying what Jesus told them to go and do, to go and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Friends, the gospel, the gospel of Jesus is empowered by the Holy Spirit. But a lot of believers today are standing, looking up into the cloud for Jesus' return, and we're neglecting the power of the gospel in us to transform the world around us. Stop looking and start living. As great as Jesus' return is, I want to tell you, I am a servant of Christ Jesus. I've been commissioned. I know who I am. I know who I am. I'm a son, and I'm a representative of the gospel, the good message of Jesus, the good message of God, the good message of the kingdom. Amen? Please stand. Please stand. If you want to tell people about Jesus, or if you want to, let me rather put it like this, if you want to preach the gospel, if you want to live the gospel, just make sure, just make sure that you're telling people who Jesus is. Just make sure you tell people why he did what he did. <laughs> make sure you tell people how to respond and make sure to tell people why it is true. Just make sure. Let's close our eyes.
Heavenly Father, I want to thank you for this good message about Jesus. I want to thank you for this message that has the power to change a life, to change lives, to change a city, to change a nation, to, to change the face of this earth. I thank you that there's power in this message. And Lord, as a community, I pray for us and I pray that your grace would overwhelm us. This message, this good message would overwhelm us, that we would not be able to remain silent, that we would not be able to, to hide this message, but that we would be a people that preach this message, that live this message every single day. And Lord, where, where, where some of us, probably most of us at times, have, have been like those disciples just looking up into the clouds and put more confidence in your return as opposed to the power of the gospel, I pray, Lord Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we would leave here today, that we would leave here today with a greater sense of purpose and mission with what you've placed upon us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.